what is going on everybody welcome to it we are back here this is dog talk with your host holden glad to have you guys back here for another edition of the show really fired up about it after a big win over auburn this past weekend we've got plenty to jump into and we're going to do exactly that like i said before glad to have you guys here um georgia bulldogs ranked number one in the country for the first time uh, in a long time i didn't realize it's actually been that long since Georgia has actually been ranked number one in the country. Um, and everything that I had pulled up just a second ago, boof, gone. That's okay, though. I'll get to it here in just a second. Glad to have you guys here with with me. Let's go ahead and jump through some of the uh, first things that we do every show. You know, you guys know how it is by now. On Twitter, at DogTalk20, make sure you guys go and follow me there. As well as on YouTube, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button as well as hit the like button on the video. I would really appreciate that. Uh, go on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you rate and review the show. I would appreciate that greatly. Give us that five stars. That would help out. Also, you can go to the website as well, dogtalkpod.com. Spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G, talkpod.com. Would really appreciate that. Also, if you guys want to support the show the support link is always in the description of the podcast as well as the video i finally got that pulled up where it's supposed to be uh, so if you guys want to hit it it gives you a couple options to be able to uh, support the show and again i would really appreciate that so the stat that i was looking for georgia has not been ranked number one in the ap poll during the regular season since 1982 and that has changed today that coming from brandon marcello there on twitter uh, i did see where that came up and that is it georgia ranked in the number two spot in the country today so glad to see it very excited for that to be the case and i will get on our screen matter of fact i will go ahead and get that top 25 rolling across the bottom of the screen because i was actually able to uh get all that put in really quickly right before we got started we're going to run through that top 25 as well um that way you guys will be able to see it as well and once we go through that we will dive into the game again there's plenty to get to after a route of auburn 34 to 10 this past weekend glad to see it let's jump right into it here we go top 25 your georgia bulldogs sitting at the number one spot six and oh previously ranked second on the ap poll iowa coming in at second cincinnati at third oklahoma at fourth alabama falling down to fifth after falling to texas a&m Ohio State at 6, Penn State at 7, Michigan at 8, Oregon at 9, Michigan State at 10, Kentucky at 11. We're looking forward to them this coming Saturday. Oklahoma State at 12, Ole Miss at 13, Notre Dame 14, Coastal Carolina 15, Wake Forest 16, Arkansas 17, Arizona State 18, BYU at 19, Florida at 20, Texas A&M jumping up into the top 25 to 21st. North Carolina State, NC State there at 22, SMU at 23, San Diego State at 24, and Texas cracking back into the top 25 after upsetting, no, Oklahoma did pull it out, but Texas back, I guess they've, they've been in the top 25, sorry, they fell back down to the 25 spot, anyway, that's the AP, AP top 25, again, the dogs at the top of that list, Alabama falling a few spots, we're not going to talk too much about that off the top of the show, we'll talk more about that here once we get a little bit deeper into it uh, because that's usually what I do at the end of the show. So, here we go. Let's start it off with the news front. Georgia at Auburn, 3.30 on CBS. Injuries was one of the biggest things, not only coming into this game, but even in this game, we had a ton of injuries. Coming into it, we knew Stetson more than likely would get to start. JT did travel. So we knew, that I think, that if there was a situation that arose where it seemed like we might have to have 
uh, JT come in, there was the option and ability to be able to have him come in again if needed. Luckily, that didn't happen. Georgia, for the most part, pretty much handled this game. Uh, and the closest I think Auburn got uh, outside of leading three to nothing at the beginning was that. That was as close as it was to Auburn winning. And from that point on, Georgia just pretty much took off in the second quarter. But injuries, I want to run through them. We talked about them last week, but we've got more to get to this week off of that front. Here's where it lined up last week, what we talked about and what we were curious. Marcus Roseman, Jack Saint, possible? Don't think we saw him in the game. Arian Smith, didn't see him. Obviously, JT Daniels, didn't see him. Dominique Blaylock, didn't see him. Darnell Washington, we saw him in the game. We're going to talk about it a little bit. He was a presence blocking. He also did get targeted a couple times in this one. Tyke Smith, I need to go back and look and see if I saw him. I don't think we saw him this week either, so he's still kind of in that. We know Tate Rattledge, fun stat. George Pickens, he did travel to Auburn. He didn't play. We didn't expect him to. That's what we did about that. But he did travel and dress out to that game. Here's where we line up on our injuries, and this is kind of a crazy thing. This is per UGA Football Nation uh, on their Instagram account. Scary thought is dogs beat Auburn minus these players. Jamar Salyer goes down in the game. Chris Smith with a shoulder injury goes down in the game. Lewis Seen also went down at one point in the game but came back. And I believe Jamar Salyer, I believe, if I remember reading correctly, he actually could have came back in this game as well. So it doesn't look like we're going to be without him. That helps a lot on that offensive line. Chris Smith, I don't know. We've got more information to have that's going to have to come in on that one for him to have taken his pads off in this game. You know, fingers crossed on that one that he's okay. Kenny McIntosh, he didn't play in this game. Jermaine Burton, he didn't play. We talked about Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, uh, JT Daniels, Amir Speed didn't play. Tresman Marshall didn't play. Uh, Tate Rallage, we know. Arian Smith, we talked about George Pickens. Jalen Kimber, he's out for the season. Dominique Blaylock, Ryan Davis, out for the season. So to be without that many guys, I mean, you can count the wide receivers here. Let's see. We've got Jermaine, Marcus, uh, Arian, George. Dominique, that's five wide receivers right there alone. A couple of offensive linemen there as well when Sawyer went down. And then you got, obviously, your starting quarterback. Georgia is so thin in positions but still continues to dominate teams. And I want to talk about some of that dominance. And this is where it leads up. Actually, I'll tell you what. I'm going to save that number uh, for here in just a little bit because I've, I've got a new segment that I'm going to try to start for you guys that I want to talk about. But – Injuries are plaguing us. They're, they're, we're, we're very thin in a lot of positions, but we continue to be successful, which is an awesome thing to see because this is a very prime opportunity for Georgia just to lay down and, and take one right on the chin, but that is not happening. Georgia is continuing to be physical against the teams they play, continue, continuing to be dominant in all aspects of the game as well, which is awesome and great to see. So let's kind of dive into that. Uh, because, again, there's just plenty to talk about when it comes down to it. Let's talk about that uh, Georgia-Auburn game, 34-10 in Jordan here. Let's jump to it. Here's where we got it. Looking at the main stats of the day, team stats, team leaders, things of that nature. On Georgia's offensive side of the ball, 22 first downs, 5 for 12 on third downs, not that great, 0-1 on fourth. Total yards, 432 and we threw it through the air, 231 yards, 14 for 21 with Stetson Bennett, 11 yards per pla per pass. No picks on the night, which was really good. Rushing, we did rush the ball over 200 yards for 201 on almost 50 rushes there at 49, rushing the ball for 4.1 yards. Had three penalties on the night, held the ball for 33 minutes and six seconds. On the other side, Auburn, only getting 17 first downs in the game, five for 18 third down. Fourth down, they were pretty efficient, three for five. 
Total yards held them down to 318, 272 through the air on 24 for 43 completions to that attempt, averaging a 6.3 yard. Bo Nix did throw his first interception since the Georgia game last year. So Georgia seems to be a thorn in his side as he tries to get momentum going and has like this long streak, and then he plays Georgia again and gives it right back up. 46 rushing yards. That dog defense holding it down on 29 attempts for Auburn, only running the ball for 1.6 yards per rush. Penalties, five penalties for Auburn, 34. They did have that one turnover, which was the pick. Held the ball for 26 minutes, 52 seconds. Dogs, dominant. Stetson Bennett, 231, two touchdowns through the air. On the ground, Zamir White, 18 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns again. Lad McConkey, leading receiver in this game, 135 yards on five touches and a wide-open bomb down the sideline. Probably could have had two. If Stetson had a little bit more arm behind one, he had Lad also in the streak there, too, heading down. Dogs, again. Trail three to nothing to start. We tied up just before the second quarter, and that was it. Dogs took off from there, making it 10-13, to 13 when we get to the half. Scoring again coming out of the half about halfway through the third to make it 24 to three. And the closest Auburn would get from that point is 24 to 10 after a touchdown on the Tank's big, Tank Bigsby six-yard run late in the fourth or third quarter, excuse me, making it 24 to 10. Fourth quarter field goal and then a touchdown. Halfway through, making it 34-10. to 10. Could have had another touchdown there at the end as well uh, when Kirby decided after uh, Brian Harson called a timeout late in the fourth quarter when the game was basically in the bag. Stetson rares back and chunks one in the end zone. Had the guy turned his uh, other shoulder. Might have caught that ball and uh, could have made a big difference in that game. Nonetheless, didn't end up mattering. Uh, it was awesome. A lot of fun to watch this game. This is one of my favorite games to get to play. I have got, I've got a lot of Auburn friends being from the state of Alabama. So getting to kind of talk and jaw back and forth between them is always fun. Bo Nix in this one. Two, 21 for 38, 217, did throw the one pick, no touchdowns. T.J. Finley did come in at the end and actually moved the ball pretty effectively for Auburn there late in the fourth quarter as time expired. Three for five, 55 yards. He actually was looking really good. Stetson Bennett, we talked about it. 95.2 was his QBR. I've got a pretty wild stat here for you. If I can get it to pull up, it's kind of hard for me to keep up with all of all of these stats as they come through. But Stetson actually leads, I think, the country, if I remember correctly, uh, in in QBR. It's kind of hard to believe that Stetson – and it's, it's not hard to believe because Stetson is great. He's a great football player and uh, clearly shows that. You know, To have him as a backup is just an awesome thing to have. Again, sorry, it's taking me a minute. There it is. Leading the charge right here. Highest QBR by SEC players. I believe this was on SEC Network last night. Stetson Bennett, QBR this season in the SEC, 95. In this game, he was 95.2. Bryce Young behind him at 89. Guess what? JT Daniels still in there at 88. Matt Corral at 85 with a minimum of 50 action plays. Crazy, because you got Bryce Young and Matt Corral who are in there who were the Heisman candidate and Heisman leaders, especially last week when you had that Alabama and Ole Miss game coming. And Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels right there in the same looks of them. They may not have the yardage. They may not have nearly as many touchdowns. But the QBR, as far as being efficient, they're right there up in the right up in the grill with both of those guys, which is good to hear, especially out of the – again, you, you could not ask for a better second-string quarterback than Stetson Bennett. Maybe you could, I guess, if you're – Oklahoma, but guess what? We're not Oklahoma, so we're not going to talk about it. Zamir White, 18 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns, did run the ball one time for 12 
Kendall Milton. Finally getting back in this one, nine carries, 43 yards. Stetson did run the ball six times for 41 yards. Did run off that 30-yard run, too, which was kind of fun to see. It's, if I remember correctly, I don't know this for sure, but I think that's the longest run play we've had this season. It's 30 yards, and it was by Stetson. Because I think last week it was James Cook, but it was only 24. Kind of a wild thing to think of there. James Cook did also carry the ball seven times for 30, 35 yards, averaging five yards a carry. Dijon did come back into this one, six touches, three. Uh, so we did look good on the running. Again, Lab McConkey, five touches, 135 yards, and a touchdown. Brock did get to touch it twice, 43 yards. Darnell did get a catch and was targeted in this one for 25 yards. Uh, Donnie Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell, freshman there, two touches, 10 yards. Cook, two touches, 10 yards. And Kieras, two touches for eight yards. We averaged 16.5 yards per pass uh, in this game. How awesome was that? It's kind of, I guess, actually, that's our wide receivers, excuse me. Stetson averaged 11 yards through the air. Uh, per his plays. I don't know how the average for – oh, okay, okay. I see. It's because of how many receptions. Anyways, wide receivers are averaging 16.5 yards uh, on their receptions on the night. How awesome is that? Kind of wild to see. Two touchdowns. The long again was that 60-yard bomb to Lab McConkey. He could have had two uh, in this one but ended up not. We'll get to the defense in a minute. Let's kind of jump back into some of the stuff that we previewed and see if we can answer those few questions that we had come up because that's one thing I want to do before we jump too deep into the defense that I want to talk ad nauseum about in this one because really just unbelievable. All right, what we wanted to know, how are we going to be effective against Auburn coming into this one? Georgia's run game versus a strong rush has to be dominant and has to be able to come into this game and make a difference. The first half of this game, Georgia was not running the ball all that effectively. We did run the ball, but we weren't running nearly as effectively as we did in the second half. I had a stat pulled up, and I don't remember what I did with it, so you'll have to forgive me for not having that exact information uh, in front of me. But for the first half, if I remember correctly, Georgia was, I believe, below and well below 100 yards in the first half rushing. And then the second half, Georgia whew, took off, took off, and again ends up with over 200 yards on the ground against a defense of Auburn who is known for stopping the run, a great rush defense, a great rush defense. And they also did fairly well at containing the pass in this game too, but we still put up 231. I know I talked about this in the preview of this episode was I think if we can throw the ball for over 200 yards and run the ball for over 200 yards, you can win this game. And we did. Look at it. We turned out really good in that position. Did good. We In the second half, I was glad to see us go to the run game again and not just give up on it and think we have to pass the whole time. Stetson was being successful, obviously, considering 95.2 QBR in this one. Really good percentage in this one. But guess what? We were still able to stick with the run game in the second half and ran it down their throat and just stop them completely. They didn't run the ball but for 46 yards in this game. But Stetson likely started. We talked about that. Obviously, he was. He's got to be able to pass. He did. He did a great job. Is Darnell going to be a threat in this game? He was. Again, it comes back to that blocking. He does such a great job at pass blocking. He does such a great job at run blocking. Him, Brock, and even Ladd did a great job when we were running around the edge containing that block and holding on to that block, allowing our runners to be able to get extra yards in this one. Now, it was a downhill, strong, hard-nosed football fight to be able to rush through the middle as much as we did in some of these situations as well. But Georgia was able to do it, and I was glad to see it. Darnell helped a lot with that, uh, which we talked about. Now, let's talk about the defense, what I'm going to call the third down dogs.
dogs did their job coming into this one, the third down dogs. What a great game. The questions I had in this one are, is the defense going to be able to stop or really they're not going to be able to because we had a pretty good feeling they would be able to stop him, but you have to contain Bo Nix. We've got to stop him. His elusiveness is the thing that can make a difference in this game. He got loose a couple of times. He was able to run around, but in the end, he technically carried the ball 10 times for negative 16 yards in this game. Negative 16. The longest he had was a nine-yard run trying to run forward. Passing the ball, 21 for 38, had a 39.3 QBR in this game. He threw it for 217 yards, averaged 5.7, one interception, no touchdowns. They contained him like you're supposed to. In the night, we end up with, how many we end up with, four sacks? Yeah, four sacks, six tackles for loss in this game. The dogs' defense is as elite as it gets. Dogs, if you want to come to me and say Georgia's defense is not the top in the country, I can tell you a couple of the others that are. No, you're wrong. Georgia has the best defense in the country. As a matter of fact, I went and looked in the middle of the uh, Georgia or yeah the Texas A&M Alabama game because I wanted to see just how effective on total defense was Texas A&M's defense in comparison to Georgia, considering what they were able to do to Alabama. Georgia. Ranked number one in total defense. Five games at the time, obviously. 267 plays, only giving up 889 yards. That's 3.33 yards per play. Giving up one offensive touchdown, which that was before the Auburn game, which end up we end up with two. Um, yards per game, we held teams to 177.8. Texas A&M ranked 40th. 40th. Five games, 341 plays, giving up. 1,599 right up 1,600 yards. That's 4.69 yards per play. Seven touchdowns for the opponent's defense in this one. Seven against you. Which, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. 319.8 yards. That's the difference. It does. I don't have to make the comparison to Texas A&M. I just thought that that was kind of a fun stat, considering now that Georgia's ranked number one, and at the time it was Alabama at one, and Georgia took over that. Georgia's defense is elite top of the country in a ton of aspects, ton of aspects. We've got so many guys that come in here, and this is the one I wanted to pull up per Fox CFB. Georgia's defense with the opponent's points per game this season, this season alone through six games, I'm going to talk about each team we've played. Georgia playing Clemson. Right now, Clemson averages 25.8 games in their other games, that's what they that's what they average. Georgia gives up three to them. UAB averaging 27.8 points per game. Georgia only gave up seven to them. South Carolina 24.8, gave up 13 to South Carolina. Vandy averaging 20 points in their other games, didn't let them score. Arkansas 35.8, didn't let them score. Auburn 40, only gave up 10, only gave up 10 in that. You cannot tell me Georgia's defense is not elite. If I remember correctly, and I should probably stop saying that and actually have all the stuff written down in front of me, Georgia, I think, has outscored their opponents. It's like 299 to 33. Here we go. 239 points for us to the 33. So I was off a little bit. I gave, gave an extra 60 there. It shows points per game. We are 12th out of 130 offensively. Points per game defensively. Here you go. We are first out of 130. First. First in many categories on the defensive side of the ball. Six games so far. Giving up only an average right now defensively 137 yards. 
That's it. Point two touchdowns per game. 66.5 is what we average to give up in games. That's point two touchdowns on the ground as well. Offensively, we average only letting teams get 203 yards per game. That's it. That is unbelievable. Georgia's defense is doing something that none of us have seen since probably the 80s. Well, you can go back to the junkyard dogs as well. But unbelievable. Right now, Channing Tindall leads the defense. Six games, 17 solo tackles, 12 assists, 29 total. He's got one sack on the year. Nakobe Dean, three and a half, got his first interception this season yesterday against Auburn. Lewis Seen, 11 tackles in this one. 13 for Nolan Smith, two and a half sacks in that. Lewis Seen's also had an interception in this in this so far this season. Pass five pass deflections. He was hurt at the end of this one. We got a little bit nervous. Latavius Brini. Chris Smith, who goes down, two interceptions so far in the game. Devontae Wyatt, a couple of sacks. Jalen Carter, a couple of sacks. Jordan Davis. Adam Anderson, four and a half, leading the team in sacks. It's crazy when you go in and you actually start looking at how many guys have numbers and where all these numbers end up just because of how good uh, they have been doing. And in this game alone, Dan Jackson, Dirty Dan, leads the charge. Six tackles, five of those being solo. Latavius Bruni right behind him with five, one tackle for loss. Quay Walker got a sack on this one, two tackles for a loss in this as well with five tackles. Trayvon Walker gets a sack in this one. Zion Lowe gets a sack in this one. Jalen Carter gets a half a sack along with Robert Beal on the same sack in this one. You got guys all over the field taking over, doing everything that they can to make sure that the Georgia defense does not give up any points. Unbelievable. Coming into this game, top-graded defenses, Georgia at number one, 94.6, Auburn 91.8, Iowa 91.4, Dogs still at the top of that, Auburn now falling, Iowa jumping above that. The Dogs defense, what I'm going to call the third-down Dogs in this segment, you can't mess with them. You just can't. They're as good as it gets. They're going to get another test coming up this weekend. You've got two undefeated 6-0. The only teams undefeated in the SEC at this point are the Georgia Bulldogs, who are ranked number one, the Kentucky Tigers, Kentucky Wildcats, excuse me, (laughs) ranked number 11, both 6-0, coming head-to-head. That will be no longer after Saturday. Only one team in the SEC will be undefeated moving past this coming Saturday. What a game. What a game it's going to be. The secondary, this is one thing I also talked about. Cannot get lazy in this game. Cannot get beat deep. When Bo Nix does do his little scrambling around, which I said this before, he's not going to be able to do it because we're going to get to him. He was able to get loose on, what, two or three at most where he was actually able to get positive yardage. But there were a couple of times where he turned around and just was met with a Georgia defender, one of which should have been a fumble. I know they reviewed it and said that his arm was moving forward. I don't think so. I think he may have been trying to do that, but I still think it was hit out. It's just my opinion, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I can't harp on that. Unbelievable what the dogs are doing. Physical. The physicality that this defense is playing with is unmatched, not in the SEC, in the country. Again, we'll get that test in Athens between the hedges this coming Saturday when Kentucky comes to town. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that because this is also going to determine a lot of what's going to happen in the SEC East. This could determine who wins the SEC East. Not saying it will. You still have other games to play. Let's look at it. Kentucky, they get Georgia. 
Then they get a bye week at Mississippi. You got Tennessee. Don't sleep on Tennessee. They're starting to come alive offensively with Hendon Hooker there. Vandy, that's it. Georgia, Mississippi State, Vandy, Tennessee. That's all they got left. Georgia. You got Kentucky this week, and then you got Florida. Another big matchup, but Florida does have a couple of losses. So if they were to lose to Florida, heaven forbid that happen. And at this point, the dogs' defense is doing so good. I'm just not going to say anything. But that head-to-head wouldn't matter at that point. Missouri, Tennessee, you still got a couple of big ones in there. Again, with Tennessee starting to kind of rise up, you got to go to Neyland for that. You do get Kentucky at the house. Florida, neutral site in Jacksonville. Missouri at the house. Go to Neyland. And then you got Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. So you should be able to do whatever you need to do in that one. I want to see if game day is coming back to Athens because I feel like it probably could be. There's a very well strong possibility. Why wouldn't you? I mean, one versus seven. I may need to look forward and see kind of what some of the other games are going to be. Yeah, you could have Arkansas and Auburn. I could I could see a case maybe for that. That maybe be a good one. Let's see. What else do we have that's playing this weekend? A&M, Missouri, not really. Tennessee Ole Miss, that could be a good one. Now that Tennessee's starting to look a little better, not not ranked, but Alabama, Mississippi State, all of a sudden that turns into the possibility if Mississippi State defense can do what they did. You got to look, Mississippi State beat Texas A&M the week before. That may not be a cakewalk all of a sudden for Alabama. Arkansas, Auburn, that probably will be a good one. LSU, Florida, replay of the shoe game, come on. That's a good one in the SEC. So you do actually have a couple of other really good ones in here. You could see Oklahoma State and Texas. That could be on there. Kentucky, Georgia, I could see where that would be. The only thing about that is are they willing to go to a game like that uh, considering they just came, you know, considering they just came from Athens just two weeks ago when Georgia took down Arkansas 37 to nothing. I don't know. Hey, maybe they do. If not, I'm sure SEC Nation would love to be there. Hey, I'm glad to see it. The dogs have been physical. Offensively, defensively, Stetson Bennett, there should be no more questions of, okay, if JT Daniels is healthy, JT Daniels is going to play football. That's all there is to it. Let me go ahead and clear that out of the air right now. JT Daniels is the starter, but while he's injured, Stetson Bennett is the answer. I don't need to see Carson Beck. I don't need to see Brock Vandegrift. And until Gunnar Stockton's here, we ain't got to see him either. Watch him on on high school football. That dude's lighting it up. He's coming to Georgia next year. You talk about another guy in there. I'll be surprised to see... Carson and, and Brock stick around. One or two, one or both of those guys may decide, okay, I don't know if I'll ever play here. I hope that they stay steady. I will say this, too, just kind of kind of a hot take, maybe not, with as banged up as JT was last year only playing in a few games and as banged up as he is so far this year, could we see JT Daniels come back for the 2022 season? Could we see that? It could very well happen. I'd be a-okay with it, I promise you that. Have him come back and have some of these other guys be healthy. Get a get a George Pickens if he'll come back next year too. I think he's really pushing for that Florida game. I don't know if he's going to make it back by then, but I think he's really pushing for it. One good thing now that I think about it is I would be surprised if we don't see him back by the middle of November for that Tennessee game in Neyland. That could be a good one. One thing I did want to talk about too as far as crowd noise. You know, Georgia – has not had to play Stetson. He didn't have to have. He didn't have to play in front of really a ruckus and loud crowd last year. This year you get it, and you got your real first test against Auburn uh, in that one. Because at Vandy that wasn't one. Clemson. I mean that's kind of 50-50. Arkansas or excuse me Auburn. Really that first test, and you'll get another one at Neyland. Really looking at this, Georgia lined up pretty good as far as their home games and then their neutral site. You start the season neutral site, home home away against Vandy. Nothing there home and then away the loudest atmosphere 
in Auburn. Then you get Kentucky at home, Florida neutral site 50-50, Missouri at home, Tennessee. You travel to them, that one's going to be loud, but then you're home and then you go to Georgia Tech. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better schedule as far as your home and away games in that one. We kind of lined up really good in that position, and I think it's lining up for a good season. Stetson talked a little bit about that at the end of the game, that this was the loudest atmosphere that he's actually had to play in. Stetson Bennett, 2-0 and against the Auburn Tigers. Let's not forget that. There is a little bit of talk about what if Stetson comes back next year. I don't know. I think you just got another good backup in there. If Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels were to come back next year, I don't think Brock Vandegrift or Carson Beck sticks around with Gunnar Stockton coming in. I don't know that for certain, but something just kind of tells me that that's the way that lines up. Look, let's look at a little bit of what Georgia was able to hold Auburn to. Tank Bigsby only ran the ball 10 times only. 10 times, 28 yards. Jaquez Hunter, 5 times, 18 yards. Sean Shivers, 4 times, 16 yards. We talked about Bo Nick scrambling around. D-Rob, used to be a dog, is not anymore. He's a Tiger, touched the ball four times, led the led the Tigers' defense, or offense, excuse me, catching the ball for 59 yards. Kobe Hudson behind him for 50 yards. Again, they were able to throw the ball pretty decently, 272 yards. 11.3 is what their receivers averaged in this one, but no touchdowns. 24 touches through that game. Georgia's defense absolutely did what they needed to do. One sack on the night for Stetson. Came later in the game. Probably could have got away from that one or thrown it away. It would have been a good spot too. But, hey, I would have rather him taking the sack, even though it kind of puts us in a situation where now we're having a punt. I'd rather him do that than come into this game and throw that one to an opponent. Make a mistake that we don't have to make. I'd much rather take the sack. So let's give him a little bit uh, of lead way with that. What a great game. 34-10. to 10. Dogs take them down. I was glad to see it. Let's jump into some of the other games that were around the country before we get wrapped up here. All right, coming back into some of the other big games around the country, we're going to save that Alabama and uh, Texas A&M game for last because obviously that was one of the biggest ones of the weekend, one of the biggest ones, I mean, that could possibly happen this season just considering how good and how big of a game uh, that that was. So let's start it off with some of the other ones, not necessarily SEC-related. Temple, Cincinnati, that one was nothing. Arizona State squeaks by Stanford late, 28-10. Penn State, Iowa, what a big game there. Iowa pulls it out 23-20 in the end. Took 10 points in the fourth quarter to be able to come back and win that one. Uh, Penn State's quarterback did actually go down in this one, and that's a reason that Penn State, I think, fell. I think if they keep Sean Clifford in this game and he's not hurt, Penn State probably pulls this one out. Don't know it for certain, but now I'm going to get to my hot take here. Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma comes back 25 points in the fourth quarter to win this game, 20, excuse me, 55-48. to 48. I said this before, and I tweeted this, and I think I figured it out. Oklahoma, I've said all season, is overrated. Oklahoma, I even tweeted when they were playing, is overrated as Texas was taking it to them. I have learned something. Oklahoma might not be overrated. Spencer Rattler might be overrated. That may be the answer to that because they put in their backup. Caleb Williams, take off Oklahoma, come back with 25 points, put up 35 points to Texas's 10 
in the second half to come back and win this one 55-48. to What a game. In that one, Michigan-Nebraska came down to the wire as well. Took Michigan scoring 13 in the fourth quarter to pull this one out, 32-29. to Boise upset number 10, BYU 26-17. to Michigan State taking down Rutgers 31-13. Ole Miss and Arkansas, what a game. You want to talk about Georgia's defense? Look at this game right here. Arkansas putting up 51 points against Ole Miss and a high-powered offense in Ole Miss who put up 52. 52. This came down to a last-second touchdown by K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson, 25 for 35, 326 yards, three touchdowns. I'm fairly certain that this dude also ran the ball over 100 yards in this game. Yeah, let's look. 326 through the air for K.J. Jefferson, 85 yards on the ground, six touchdowns for K.J. Jefferson. Georgia held that dude to zero, held Arkansas to zero points last year. If you don't believe me about Georgia's defense, believe me now. This dog's defense is dirty. Matt Corral, 287 through the air, 94 through the on the ground, excuse me, four touchdowns for him. To see what Georgia did to them last week and to see how well they were able to hang with the high-powered offense of Lane Kiffin and Old Miss makes me even more proud. Traylon Burks, 136 yards on the ground. We held Arkansas under 100 yards on the ground last week. And one guy alone, Traylon Burks, ran the ball, or excuse me, receiving 136 yards. Either way, they stood him. They still ran the ball really well. Notre Dame squeaks by by a field goal against Virginia Tech, 32-29. to LSU Kentucky, who we got next week, the only other undefeated team in the SEC, 42-21, to dispatching LSU, even though LSU later in the game did start to make a little bit of a comeback out of it. They were able to hang on. Kentucky looks really good. I'll give it to them. Their defense is doing good. One thing I'm a little bit of a preview into next week is Kentucky leans on that ground game a good bit. Will Levis, he can put it through the air, too. They've got a good wide receiver there. they got a good quarterback. they got a good running back. But if Kentucky thinks they're going to be able to just run the ball on Georgia and be successful, they got another thing coming. That's all I'm going to say. Wake Forest, Syracuse. Wake Forest holding off Syracuse. They're 42-37. Florida, 42 to nothing over Vandy. <coughs> Georgia scored 62. Uh, SMU and Navy. SMU holding off Navy 31-24. Uh, and that is some of the biggest games around the country. Now, let's jump into the one that we all want to talk about. Just because it was number one Alabama falling for the first time to a Nick Saban assistant in Jimbo Fisher. 41-38. to What a great game if you stayed up to watch this one. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Took a last-second field goal for A&M to end up winning this one. 41-38. to Let me actually, well, let me jump back to that Ole Miss Arkansas game because I forgot to talk about the end of that one. Arkansas is down a touchdown under a minute after Ole Miss flies down the field and goes up in this game, 52, I think, at the time, to what's that, 55, 45? And Arkansas drives right down the field with just over a minute to go. One second left, or six seconds left, they're on like the four-yard line, throw a pass out of the back of the end zone, thinking time's going to expire, and this one ends uh, with Ole Miss winning by a touchdown. One tick left on the clock. Arkansas gets another chance. They score a touchdown. Sam Pittman bring, breaks out his cojones and said, we're going for two. Not the best play calling on the two-point conversion, but, hey, had they converted it, they continue to probably be back in the top ten after that. What a great game by uh, both of them. But, again, let's go back up now uh, to that big one in Texas A&M and Alabama. Bryce Young didn't do bad in this game. Almost throws the ball for 400 yards, three touchdowns. Brian Robinson on the ground, 147 yards. Jameis Williams, 
146 yards on 10 touches, two touchdowns. You would think just by that stat line alone, oh, Alabama won that game. Let me tell you what. We talked about this in the past. Texas A&M's defense is really good. And let me tell you something else. Texas A&M's defense showed up. I talked about this last week that Texas A&M, their defense kind of took a back seat when they played Mississippi State last week. Will Rogers, I know I've been on the high horse about him, but he came through in the clutch for Mississippi State as they were able to just dominate Texas A&M last week. And then you come into this one, and Texas A&M's offense was high-powered. Zach Galzada, for the first time, lit it up. 21 for 38, 285, three touchdowns, did throw one pick on the night. Isaiah Spiller, they only ran the ball for 94 yards. Check this out. A&M only running the ball 94 yards, only throwing the ball 285. Alabama, team stats right here, outgained Texas A&M. 522 total yards for Alabama, only 379 for A&M. That was it. Third down efficiency was even better for Alabama. Nine for 19, four for 10, 40% there for A&M. But A&M kept grinding, kept working. Didn't even have the ball as long. Penalties plagued Alabama a little bit. I know that's one thing when Alabama loses, you have to have uh, an excuse. That's what always comes out when Alabama does lose. The excuses start to come out. Who, why did this happen? You know, if this wasn't this way. Oh, we need to get rid of so-and-so. You can't have those excuses. When you lose, it sucks. Yeah. And there may be a couple questionable calls, but it was on both sides of the ball. I did tweet out some kind of kind of silly, I guess, on my part, uh, that uh, Nick Saban must have left his wallet back at Tuscaloosa on this one uh, because Alabama wasn't getting all the calls. Normally that happens. Bryce Young did not have a, a bad game. He did throw one pick, but he threw three touchdowns in this one, almost 400 yards. Again, most games, you're going to be successful in that, especially when they're running the ball also for 153 yards. But one thing before this game was I did not anticipate Texas A&M to be able to get past Alabama's offensive line because I said this before, Alabama's offensive line is probably the best in the country. And Texas A&M absolutely exposed that. Now, one good thing coming into this one, Florida – when they played Alabama, and I don't like to give them credit, but you have to here, they gave you a blueprint of how to run the ball on Alabama. They gave you blueprints of gaps that there were in Alabama's offense as well as their defense. Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher probably sat there and studied that, knowing how to beat Alabama after playing with them and being close in years past. He took all that heart in this one and got the job done, snapping that 100-game win streak for Alabama against unranked teams. Also snapping that 24, 25, 26 game uh, winning streak that Nick Saban had against his assistants. Not losing at all for the first one to be into Jimbo Fisher. Again, I wish it would have been Kirby Smart, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen eventually, unless he just retired uh, Friday. So, and, and that didn't happen. But what a great game for Texas a and Glad to have it happen again. I hate being compared to Alabama. I said it in the past, but when Alabama loses, we're going to celebrate. That's just all there is to it. When the number one team in the country goes down, we're going to celebrate. Just like if Georgia is to lose this coming week, heaven forbid that happen, we're going to celebrate. That's all there is to it. Let's get into some of the Twitter conversation that we had come up. I did want to look back and see if I could find who was uh, the winner, if anybody, on the prediction because I actually meant to pull that up earlier. We'll go through our polls from this past week and go into some of that Twitter conversation. All right, back to the polls from this past week, now that everything should be wrapped up. Starting it off with this one. 
Oh, and I also got to go back through my picks. I forgot about that as well. Uh, how many touchdowns does Darnell Washington have Saturday versus Auburn? 78% of you guys went with 0 to 1. 2 to 3 was 22%. So you guys got that one pretty well uh, correct. Get back down to these other few polls. Here we go. Now we're getting to it. All right, if the mailman, which the mailman ended up being the quarterback, so I'm just going to talk about that one. Does he throw for under or over 200 yards? 42% of you guys went with under. He ends up going over on that one. Uh, do we rush the ball for more than 250 yards? Unfortunately, that one ends up being just shy of that, where 68% of you guys went with that. 32 went with less than. Who's the leading rusher? Zeus, James Cook, or Kendall Milton? Zeus does come in at the top of this one. That's 56% to 37% and 7% for James Cook and Kendall Milton. Uh, so that's where that one ends up. Wanted to go back through the question that we talked about uh, last week. What's going to be the deciding factor, which I answered last time, and it's going to be containing Bo Nix. Well, the answer, the question was answered. We were able to contain him, sack him a few times on the night, uh, and got the job done very well. Now, let me jump back down to my predictions and see if anybody got it correct. 34 to 10 because I want to make sure I give whoever put it up uh, a shout out in this one. We got a 35 to 3, that's pretty close. 31 to 14, that's pretty close. 28 to 13, pretty close. 38 13, 41 nothing, 42 6. Some of you guys got really close. 38 to 3. I think we all 41 to 10. I mean, I was 45 to 10 was my guess. We got the the 10 right, but not quite the the 45. Another touchdown and a field goal would have put that one pretty close, though. So I'm not seeing anybody with the exact score in this one. Got one, 34 to 13. That was pretty close, too. That was fun. Let me do this real quick because I did want to do this uh, as well before I get to the picks. I was listening to another podcast, and I want to send a shout-out to this podcast as well as get you guys to go and listen because this, this is actually a pretty good thing. We're in the week, or excuse me, the month of October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, and all of the page stuff on YouTube after today will change now that we're getting into that month of october uh the i will change the schedule on the side we will get to where all of those games I, i'm doing it halves obviously we're for, through the first six games of the season i'll put the next six games of the season on the side there moving forward but all of the coloring will change for the rest of the month of october to pink our ticker on the bottom everything's going to change we're going to have a pink out for the rest of the season uh, for breast cancer awareness and again i want to shout out this podcast here that was 100 sanford podcast you guys make sure you go and check them out i know it might be kind of strange you'd hear me uh, tell you as a podcast listener hey go listen to another one but you do need to go and check out this uh, podcast where they had a uh, a guest on which was a uh, traley hale which is actually keely ringo's mom uh, and she she was about as open as you can be to what it's like to go through this battle of cancer and i'm not going to dive too deep into it because her story i mean it's it's raw it's very vulnerable and for her to come on and even talk about this as much as she did and all of the things that she was dealing with uh great episode to go to listen to shout out to those guys uh lamar and, and uh trey trigger trey and uh graham coffee too all those guys over at 100 uh yeah 100 sanford podcast make sure you guys Go and check out that episode again. Shout out to Trailer Hill as well. Just keep battling the battle because I know it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't have enough of a personal deal with it, but I can only imagine what it is that you're going through. Continue prayers to you as you're battling this fight. And uh, we're all behind you at Dog Nation as well as here on the podcast at Dog Talk Pod. So just wanted to make sure I mentioned that before we got too deep into the, make sure you guys go check out that episode uh, and just continue prayers up to her as she's battling uh, the battle that not, not many people want to battle in this one. 
let's go down now on a little bit lighter note, and we will talk about uh, the weekly picks from this past week because I did want to get those pulled up from this past week. And here's what they look like. I didn't put any of my stuff on here, but Georgia, minus 15 and a half. Did end up covering on that one by 24. Kentucky, minus three and a half, covered that one easily. That was my lock of the week. Ole Miss, minus six. Look at that. How aggravating is that? If they didn't have that one second left, Ole Miss covers that one. In the end, I think it ended up actually dropping down to like five and a half or five before the start of that one game. So I don't get that one, unfortunately. Alabama minus 17 and a half. Don't get that one, but I'm glad to miss out on that one if I'm going to miss out on one because, I mean, you couldn't ask for one to miss out on better, could you? Really? I'm a-okay with that. So don't mind losing that one there. Uh, that's pretty much going to wrap us up here, guys. We're going to jump on out of here. Again, I really appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you go and check out uh, the website, dogtalkpod.com. I would appreciate that. On Twitter, at dogtalk20. Again, appreciate all of the conversation there. If you guys want to support the podcast, it is in the link of the description. I would greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, But I will check in with you guys later this week where we get geared up for the Kentucky Wildcats. Go dogs!